Yes, team, welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. A slightly different episode this week as the captain has put together a list of questions to ask and interview me on, talking through my journey and my story. We will unpack why I used to have raw carrots in my packed lunchbox uh, whilst at school, what I used to get up to with my cast York iron dumbbells and men's health magazines in my bedroom, and uh, my skill as a ball cleaner, uh, and what it was like now playing in professional sport after leaving school at 16. I was slightly apprehensive about uh, this episode, but also excited at the same time, and I'm hoping that it's going to provide uh, some relatability and also some insight. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I look forward to hearing your feedback. A slightly different podcast episode today. The captain in his second podcast appearance. How, how are you feeling? Good. I'm excited. I'm, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know a bit more about yourself and you're a bit deeper into what kind of makes you who you are today. Good, mate. You are the Louis Ferrou of the fitness industry. I think at Jen was the one that said that you yeah. you're always uh, you're always a, you're always curious uh, and always have a, a, an abundance of questions for uh, you to now be able to bring to the table. So, mate, I know you've been working away in terms of uh, compiling a list. So, mate, I'll let you be the captain of the ship, and uh, mate, yeah, walk and talk us through obviously the questions that you have, and hopefully we can provide some uh, insight and unpack a few things. Perfect. Right. Let's get straight into it then. So. I want to take you back to your earliest years. Um, tell us a bit about what we need to know from your earliest years that kind of make and shape the you into the man you are today. Yeah, so right now, obviously, we're in Scotland, but I obviously haven't always been in Scotland. Actually, when I was at school, I used to listen to the weather reports on the radio that were like, it's snowing in Scotland, and they had like, you know, like, uh, so they had snow days, and I would be praying for the day that obviously at primary school and secondary school, we'd have more snow days. Uh, and I also thought I would never, ever live in Scotland. So uh, it's amazing and weird and wonderful how the world works. So yeah, originally, obviously, from uh, Cornwall, and then moved to North Devon when I was five. And uh, yeah, like from a, an upbringing perspective and obviously an experience perspective and obviously from a, a, a like a, a family security, safety uh, and kind of love side of things, it was absolutely amazing. Like I couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, we had so many incredible experiences, opportunities and like my parents just gave us the platform just to be able to go and do as many different clubs and activities as like I can really as I can really remember. Uh, my stepdad always recalls uh, the first ever time that he took me to football practice, which is on the a Saturday morning uh, down at a local uh, like village park. And uh, he always says that the first ever time that I went to that training, I basically cried the whole way there. I didn't want to go uh, and I didn't want to be there. Little did I know that that was going to be the start of like this footballing obsession. Uh, that I then kind of really had for probably the best part of 15 odd years with just now wanting to be the best that I could be, be a professional footballer. And that kind of one individual sport then turned into cross country rugby and just a whole host of differing things. And uh, for me, when I look back at that time and I look at what obviously like the the family were able to provide, obviously for myself, for my sister, for my brother, um, and what they're able to do, like I just look back at, with just nothing other than admiration and just huge appreciation because I know the compromise and sacrifices that my parents had to make to give us those opportunities, uh, how hard they were, the values that they tried to instill in us. Uh, even the, um, my, my stepdad, when I was younger, was like a disciplinarian. Like he was just so, uh, like um, he was the hard one. My mum was always the, uh, the soft one. And even if I was like two minutes late for tea, like I would be, I would be in deep, I'd be in deep trouble, and uh, that wasn't now allowed. And uh, almost the standards, I suppose, that 
I didn't necessarily appreciate or acknowledge at the time that were then almost um, installed at that age in terms of like how, how to do things and how you want to operate, how you want to be able to behave. And um, yeah, I think obviously with what they were able to provide was something that I could only dream about being able to, like if I can live up to even just five or 10% moving forward, and that would be absolutely amazing. And uh, I think it's really powerful because I think I said this on one of the, the really, really earlier episodes. And that is like, you are there to plant seeds. And when I look back now and I look at, especially like my, my, my stepdad, um, and I look at obviously the, the way in which we were kind of, um, able to, uh, operate how we were able to behave in terms of like what was kind of expected of us in terms of like doing your homework and uh <laughs> i did a paper round it's like right okay it doesn't matter whether it's a 60 mile an hour gale force wind you're going out and you're you're basically doing that your mum isn't going to drive you around today just go and get it done uh, and obviously again like those little things in terms of like the, the jobs and the kind of things we had to do around the house just to be able to kind of support and, and have our own kind of like responsibilities like at the time i was just like this is like what, like what, like why, why are they kind of so um, like structured and disciplined with us? But now I look back and I can appreciate like why they did that, like you know why they did that, why they behaved that way, and and why they kind of gave us that platform and like the power of obviously um, being able to like give us those responsibilities and like the importance of uh, how you kind of turn up for yourself, the responsibility and the autonomy around certain things and how things needed to be done. And I think like that for, for me is at the time, I was like, why, why, why has he been so hard on me? But it was only because he wanted the absolute very, very best for me um, and only wanted us to now be able to, like, yeah, I suppose, learn the skills and also um, allow ourselves the chance to be able to appreciate the challenges, the hardships and everything that will happen in life and how you can now basically be as best prepared and as best equipped, I suppose. So when I looked at a lot of my friends, I was like, well, they would be allowed, they would be allowed out past eight o'clock on a Friday night. Like I would always had to be home before that time because I had football training on a Saturday morning. We always had tea as a family at 6 p.m. on like a, you know, a Monday to Friday. And if I was, I say like two minutes late, then I'd be in, <laughs> I'd be in, I'd be in deep trouble if I hadn't unloaded the dishwasher potentially first thing in the morning. And it was the same thing, like you made your own packed lunches, all these kind of different things that like, at the time I was like, my friends are having their mums do it for, but then actually now I realized like that was just so, so integral to me. and. It's nothing other than I, I have nothing other than yeah, just so much like love and appreciation and gratitude. Obviously, they had we had an abundance of love and we had an, like you know incredible experiences and incredible upbringing. But also, like you say, if I look at it for me, it's like that's the stuff that really kind of shaped them and molded me. I believe without me necessarily now knowing that. Um, even just something as simple as like having a paper round and actually now having something that, do you know what I had that I had to do for myself. It was on my head. If I got, if I didn't get up in the morning, the papers didn't get delivered. I got paid like 42 pounds at the end of every single week. And I'd have it come in a brown envelope. And even just now being able to like have that thing, which I did for seven years, seven days a week, getting up and uh, just having that like, right, okay, this is, this is your responsibility. Um, for me and being able to like earn my own money and like kind of create my own opportunity obviously within that realm like yeah when I look back at it now I was like yeah one of the best things that ever happened to me so from my side like from an upbringing perspective 
incredible experiences, incredible opportunities, an incredibly loving family. I've got both myself and Leanne have an amazing relationship with my family. Um, and we love spending time with them. And yeah, if I can be half of what they have been and what they've been able to provide, then I'll be a happy man. Yeah, no, that's class. That's so good. And um, sticking on that, what would you say is that your kind of time at school was like? And what were you kind of like as a kid in school, if you could describe? Uh, if I think about secondary school, the one big thing that always stands out for me is that I was always the sporty kid. Uh, I, was also, I was also the weird kid that, basically, that would obviously make his own packed lunches and everybody else would be in like uh, squares bars and I'd turn up with a raw carrot and a banana <laughs> for, for my break. And I'd be the guy that would literally just be sat on a, sat in the school playground, <laughs> gnawing, gnawing on a raw carrot. And it was like, yeah, just so whereas everyone else is literally, yeah, eating Milky Ways and, and Lion Bars and Double Deckers and getting stuff from the, uh, you know, the tuck shop, as it were. But I was back, uh, back then. So I'm like, yeah, I was obviously just like slightly out of place, but I had this like huge obsession with just health and fitness and um, wanting to look after myself. And that came from when I was uh, 11. I was uh, basically part of a center of excellence, which was basically all the best football players in uh, North Devon basically went to the center of excellence, which was on a Monday. Um, and the way in which it basically worked was at the end of, end, of, end of every season, you would basically get given a scorecard and it would be like shooting, dribbling, fitness, heading, um, reading the game, etc. And if you got more than three, they basically did A, B, C and they would rate you. And if you got more than three Cs, you would then have to retrial for the next season. If you got less than three Cs, um, you basically automatically go up into the next age group and you wouldn't obviously have to retrial. And I remember um, at the end of one season, I've actually still got it upstairs, uh, and it basically said on the um, on the on the kind of the report card, it basically had three C's. And one thing that it said was basically, uh, Joe needs to work on his fitness. Uh, Joe needs to kind of like lose weight. Um, and it was kind of around the like I just now needed to kind of focus on those two things. And I always remember like just feeling not just slightly off the pace. And when I received that whilst potentially like now, you know, send, giving an 11 year old a report card that basically says need to lose weight, need to go on diet, need to improve his fitness, probably isn't the, the best way to communicate. Back then it was probably the best thing that again, happened to me because it lit a fire in me like nothing else. And then pretty much from that day forwards, I then started to uh, train. I was basically running. I was then kind of like watching what I ate um, and was being just far more considerate around basically how I was now trying to fuel myself, even at that age. Hence the carrots in the in the, in the pat lunchbox, um, and even at school, like again, everybody was going out and drinking and doing all those things. Whereas I would be out running, I would be uh, you know the cast your kind uh, dumbbells that you used to put under your bed. I'd literally go home and just do just as many curls as humanly possible. I'd do X amount of press ups. I then had a, a recumbent bike that we got um, for, for cheap out of like a um, you know like a Gumtree or whatever it was. Uh, and I would literally just go home. I would, I would have pasta, cheese, and gravy. I'm not sure where that came from either. Weird. Such a weird, such a weird child. And then I would literally like go and do like this circuit. And, and every day was basically like football. It was fitness or it was some type of like physical sporting activity. And again, like going back to like my stepdad, especially. And like 
he would literally drive me and take me everywhere. Flo, a Monday evening would be football. Tuesday it would be football. Wednesday it would be rugby. Thursday it would be football. Friday it would be football. Saturday we'd have, he was the manager of our team, so it would be football. Sunday we used to play, so it would then be football. And like that was literally just my kind of like um, sole priority and sole focus. So yeah, when I come back to the, the school side of things, I was always just a little bit of an, in my opinion, a little bit of an outlier. Um, I was always the guy that was known for the sports and always the guy that was known for like, like the, the, the fitness and kind of the football uh, more so than anything else. But all I wanted to do was just do activity and all I wanted to do was just try my hand at as many different things as possible. And that obviously is a positive thing because it allowed me to be the captain of all these different teams and everything else. But also at the same time, yeah, I just felt as though that I never really had like a real kind of strong like peer group or a place where I really felt connected because I was just yeah I suppose slightly different because I wasn't going and doing all the things that everybody else was doing because I was too busy at home curling to men's health magazines <laughs> and, and and just out running the streets um, or kicking a football against the wall for as many hours as possible because I just had this huge dream of wanting to be a professional footballer. Yeah no that's Amazing. I'm glad you said curling uh, men's health magazines <laughs> rather than anything yeah. else. Not, not what the typical not what the typical 15 year old lad is uh, yeah. doing. Yeah, I was just literally curling to men's health magazines. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then would you say that that's kind of uh, come at a cost to, to anything like that kind of obsession with the kind of more sporty sides? Did that have a cost to your academic sort of studies or do you think you still had the focus there? it's one of those right where you I think you almost like when you when you become like like good on on like known for this thing it was like I was right because you've got the sports you know so that was always the thing like all I ever cared about was like double PE that day you know like as an example and at school like I was never the most like academic um like my my little my little brother um like he's incredibly um academic and, and far more intelligent far more intelligent than me and like for me with school like it was just effort and having to really, really try um, more so than anything. So I didn't get bad grades. Um, but that came back down to, again, I bring back to the start, it's like the like the discipline, the structure, the importance of basically just giving your best, the importance of just um, like having, like I remember one day my granddad, who's probably been the most influential figure in terms of like, again, like my life, especially along with obviously my parents, um, basically just said like have no regrets. And it's being able to make sure that you just leave everything out there and being able to then take full responsibility for like, you know, everything that kind of happens, you know, to, to you. And as long as you know that you've applied, um, obviously your best effort and that's all that you can do. And so with it, when exams and all those things came, it was like, I would basically just lock myself away and I would just like study because I didn't now want to be the person who then got the grades and then felt disappointed that I didn't give them my best effort. Um, and so, yeah, the academic side never came easy. I was never top of the class. I was never bottom of the class. I was always that in between. But I was always somebody that, especially at school, I would just put in the effort when was now needed. Um, and I think it was like, yeah, those kind of periods that was the most, again, integral and just the application and the importance of just trying and giving it your best, I suppose. Yeah. And do you think, so that kid in school that's kind of full focused on sports, full focused on your exercise, eating right and things like that. Do you think at that point you knew kind of the direction you wanted your life to go in? All I wanted to do was be a professional footballer. Um, and because I 
spent so much time then just training and running and, and looking after like naturally and then again with the paper round it was like I had, I had this paper round right that you had to I it was seven days a week um I get up um six half six I would then uh cycle to the shop I then have obviously two paper bags over each side. So like 30 papers in the left, 30 papers in the right, basically like over, one over the left shoulder, one over the right shoulder. I'd then cycle a 10 kilometer paper round um, and then get back, would walk a mile and a half to school. Then we'd do double PE, walk home, you know, walk a mile and a half home um, and play football and all those good things. And I suppose that built such an incredible level of capacity that I then ended up becoming really good at cross country. I then ended up then my dad was a rugby player, so I ended up then obviously delving into the into the rugby side of things. And so like for me, all that I ever wanted to do was just basically be like the very best athlete, the very best sports person, and with the, obviously the dream of basically becoming a professional footballer, really. Uh, and that was my sole and, and entire focus. And so that was all that I really wanted to do. Everything was now centered towards that. Uh, I had opportunities to go to different trials at different clubs at Exeter City, Plymouth Argyle. Like I said, I was playing football every single day of the week when I was 13, 14. Um, my stepdad was a manager of our like local football team and uh, we basically decided that I was then going to go up a year and play like a year ahead of myself. So I basically then moved up an age group uh, and basically played in, in that team. I was the only person that kind of did that just to give myself the greatest opportunity to develop physically and play alongside kind of like better players who are more advanced and to put myself in a slightly better environment. Um, and yeah, everything was geared towards how do I become a professional footballer? That was, that was literally it. And failing that, I don't really think I had any other kind of like, you know, uh, what was I going to do other than potentially becoming a PE teacher because I had a huge admiration and respect for my PE teacher um, and I think I had a really strong relationship with him and I actually sent him a message a couple of about six months ago just actually thanking him because he also had such an influential impact on obviously my development based upon his leadership uh, and I believe how he was able to kind of conduct himself and again at the time I didn't appreciate that but now I look back and I'm like actually he was such a uh, an integral person in my development um, that I, yeah, again, massively appreciative. And did he get back to you? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah I basically just dropped him a, a voice note because I had his number. So when I finished school, or I was just about to finish school, obviously everybody else was going to uh, college and um, obviously I had a couple of opportunities which we'll come on to in a second. And uh, I ended up just getting his number because I wanted to ask him a few questions about what, he, what it was like basically becoming uh, a PE teacher, whether he thinks I could do it, etc. So I always had his number stored in my phone. And so, yeah, about six months ago, I dropped him a message and I just said like, hey, Steve, um, it's Joe Parrish. Um, I know it's been a little while, but I just wanted to drop in just to thank you because this is basically where I am. This is like kind of the opportunities that I'm kind of like um, able to facilitate. Um, and I believe that obviously you played such an integral role in that journey uh, and you were such a kind of leader and what you've been able to install in me. And yeah, just basically thanked him enormously and just said, I hope, uh, you know, I hope that him and his family are well. And again, like sometimes I don't think it, that was important to me because obviously, especially with like, like school teachers and stuff like that, I don't think sometimes you realize or appreciate the just the incredible work that you're doing and how much of an effect you're having on people. So I think for me, that was just, yeah, like the power of influence, yeah. you know, and having the right people around you and having somebody that believes in you as well. Like, <laughs> I got taken the piss out of massively because <coughs> we had a uh, 
we had a lad who played uh, tennis for England, right? He would basically go, he would go to Loughborough. He was like, he, he, was, he was an unbelievable tennis player. And uh, we used to have like a PE each kind of like different um, like semester, I suppose, or term. You would have um, like different sports that you played. And I remember this one particular term, it was, it was tennis. And so what would typically happen is you start the class, you know, you go into the changes, you, get, you put your PE kit on, you basically went into the class and uh, they would basically do a demonstration. And normally in the demonstration, they pick the very best person to do the demonstration. Now, bear in mind, there's this lad who's playing for England right now, uh, who's obviously an incredible tennis player. Like, they would just choose me. <laughs> but, and, and I remember, like, it, it, there was, like, uproar because it was, like, like you know, you're the people, everybody loves, like, he, he loves you, like, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, just because I didn't really know how to play tennis at all. But yeah, it was just like, right, you're going to do the demo, you're going to do the demonstration. I'm like, I'm probably not the most well equipped, but okay, cool. The teacher tells me what I need to do. So um, yeah, there was like pieces, obviously pieces like that. And again, that's where I suppose if I come back to like the a little bit of an outlier, there's a little bit of kind of a disconnect because I didn't kind of really fit in, even though I, I just had this huge want and desire to be liked. Um, I suppose that was just then me constantly looking for external validation. And if I come back down to then the, the real focus and the obsession and the health and the fitness and looking after my physique and um, even at that age, um, being quite kind of like body focused um, and obviously wanting to now win at everything that I did, like that was my way of being like validated through others and trying to please others and trying to almost be, be liked. And it was almost a bit of a kind of protective mechanism for myself. And that's something that I can kind of recognize and appreciate now. It was like always this need to do more and be bigger and win and have all these things because I just wanted to be liked by other people. And I suppose that was obviously a huge kind of driving force for me that, yeah, at the time I didn't appreciate. Yeah, yeah. And you've kind of touched on a couple already, but I wonder if you can go a bit deeper into the kind of like most influential people of your kind of grown up. I know you've touched on your PE teacher, your grandpa, your uh, stepdad, your mum, but I wonder if you can go any deeper into any of those relationships or, or if you've got any additions. Yeah, so like my, like my granddad obviously um, is probably one of the most integral um, like figures without a shadow of a doubt, just in terms of just life. You know what I mean, like a, Yoda, like a Yoda, you know, where it's just like, and again, the same in terms of like the, the supporting of um, like us uh, and obviously like giving us the opportunities and coming to our football matches, our rugby games, like, yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely unbelievable. And then, you know, you've got my kind of, uh, you know, grandma and grandpa who's sadly no longer kind of with us who, again, like have supported us. And then um, like my, my stepdad, um, again, like to be able to come in and like look after and, and raise like me and my sister, um, like as his own and what he was able to do um, and what he was able to provide for us. And then obviously um, he then had uh, uh, Billy with my mum. So to be able to then obviously kind of like come in and, and do what he's done for us was just out of this world. And it, it was weird, right? Because again, you're there to plant seeds. I look back now and we were playing rugby on a Wednesday afternoon against Pilton School, right? So it's literally just a school match. Uh, my, my stepdad was a financial advisor, so he basically would just go, you know, go to work, pinstripe suit, all that kind of stuff. And like, I remember, like, he'd come to every single school game. He'd be the only, he'd be the only parent stood on the sideline. Like, like on a Wednesday afternoon in, yeah, in the pissing rain, he'd stand there at the time with a fag in his, fag in his hand, uh, an umbrella uh, and his pinstripe suit. And I'd be like, 
it, it, it was like, it, it, like he was the only one that would just come to every match and every game and would just like, and like now I look back at that and I'm like, that's unbelievable. You know, like in terms of the support and considering like, you know, technically not blood, like that was just, that, you know, uh, like amazing just in terms of the platform and what he was able to instill, obviously, in like me and us and um, what he was able to then kind of just really provide us in terms of just that, well, the you know, the, the opportunity and just nothing other than love, um, which is amazing. Uh, you know, my, my, my dad and my stepmom as well in terms of different kind of like side life, so basically different kind of relationship. Um, again, they've also been able to contribute and, and obviously serve and have, and have helped and supported me. Um, and then probably the most influential figure is my mum, you know, um, without a doubt, you know. Uh, I probably can't talk about that because it'll make me emotional. But yeah. Um, yeah, like she's one of a kind. And then touch on, if we can, you've mentioned Billy, is it your brother? Yeah. And your sister as well. Can you tell us a bit about, about, about both of those? Are they kind of, kind of had the kind of same upbringing and things like that? Have they kind of got the same characteristics and kind of traits as yourself or are they a bit different from yourself? Yeah, so uh, my sister actually got the uh, the dancing uh, gene of the family um, and I did not get the dancing. <laughs> she got the dancing and the singing genes of the family, which I did not. I got the I got I got I got the arse, I got the arse end and did not get did not did, did not get given that. Um, no, she worked incredibly hard. So uh, again, my sister basically now runs a dance choreography um, company down in Plymouth. Um, and again, amazing, amazing human being. She has been able to obviously go through, obviously with this, like, again, like huge desire and want to become a dancer, uh, you know? And then when she uh, kind of left school, she basically ended up going to a different college a little bit further away to basically go and do um, uh, more choreography and dance and, and obviously try to go down that route a little bit more so. Um, and yeah, is now obviously running her own kind of dance school and really is having a huge impact on so many kind of, incredible kids um you know working with people from like the age of you know working for children all the way from like i think like four or five all the way then kind of up um so again like what she's been able to like build and create for herself has been amazing and yeah she always had a huge desire you know to to dance and that was her kind of love and that was her kind of obsession and that was her thing uh, and it was the same it was like you know from a, a from you know from a financial like perspective like that was like being able to provide the opportunities for like for myself, for my sister, for my brother, uh, I saw the the work, the compromise, and the sacrifice that my parents then had to make to be able to provide us with those opportunities. And um, like, yeah, Amy was just absolutely in love with just wanting to become the, the best dancer, singer, choreographer, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, she's now obviously um, like running her own kind of uh, yeah company, and uh, obviously runs her own dance school, which is brilliant. And she's absolutely absolutely amazing at and the, the children love her and the, the skills that she have are brilliant and then my uh, brother uh, Billy um, who is 25 just had actually had a baby um, so I'm like that an uncle for the first time <laughs> he's that laid back he's almost horizontal and again he's just got such an incredible skill set um, and could literally just put his hand to anything and he'd be brilliant at so he's currently an engineer uh, and yeah is is it is I was just thinking like he's just got such an incredible kind of character about him and then you have um on the uh then my dad's side and my stepmom's side you also have my little brother Freddie who is 
quite scarily, like like a 12-year-old version of like me, uh, like loves lifting, training, uh, loves doing bicep curls, and again, is just obsessed with sports. And Alice, um, who is my, um, again, like a sister from my dad and my stepmom's side, uh, she's gone off to university and she's currently studying uh, medicine. Again, like high, highly intelligent and far, 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 far more um, edu- educationally um, equipped uh, than obviously what than what I was. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, they're all they they're all so unique, um, but all now kind of carving their own kind of path and, and doing great things. Yeah. Okay. Well. I kind of want to move on from school now, um, but before we kind of do that, would you say that from going off what you kind of know now and the kind of life lessons you've had, I wonder if you would go back and change anything about your childhood um, or anything that you think would be benefit you now if anything was different? I think I would just probably allow myself to accept myself more and realise that I didn't need to please anybody. You know, because a lot of what I did was just, again, like if I reflect on now, it's for validation, for, for just wanting to be kind of, yeah, like liked more so than anything else. And I felt as though that there was times where, although I actually did follow my own path and do my own thing, and I just cracked on anyway, and again, everybody would be out drinking white lightning down the park, and I'd be doing press-ups in my bedroom and like running some serious mileage after school or whatatever it was. It's like I wouldn't now. Ch- I wouldn't now change that because that's the thing that's made me me. But I would definitely have spent less time worrying about trying to fit in and trying to please and just be okay with standing in my own shoes and realize that I'm enough as I was. Um, I think probably more so more so than anything else. Um, yeah, that'd probably be the main thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, all right. So from school, where did we go from school? So. After I finished school, I basically had a, a friend who I played football with uh, who was a couple of years older than me, and he basically went to uh, like a talky college. And basically it was a, like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a feeding, like, you know, like a uh, feeding ground for want of a better word, um, for obviously them being able to hopefully get a full-time uh, contract. And so when I was basically about to leave school, I know that he'd gone down and he had basically moved from North Devon down to Torquay to go and do that. And again, I still wanted to pursue this massive career of uh, becoming a professional footballer. I had actually given up um, football for a year and I'd actually converted over to playing rugby for a full season. And so I was still playing football kind of like three days a week. But actually my main game on a Saturday, I was, I was playing fly half uh, for Barnsville for Barnsville Rugby Club under 16s at the time. Uh, and I was trialling for Devon and I was trialling for counties and I was trying to obviously then kind of pursue that route as well. So when uh, my parents were like, there's this thing, like, is this something you'd be interested in? Again, it wasn't like a contract. It wasn't like a, you know, you're going to sign on dotted line and you're now going to play pressure football. It was just like, no, this is basically like a, 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 a college of excellence for people who basically want to come and play underneath like Talk United. And I can't remember what allowed me to make the decision of going to do it. Probably heavily influenced by my parents of just being like, let's go fuck about and find out and it'll be a great experience and what's now going to be the worst that's going to happen. So uh, at the age of, at the age of 16, yeah, I basically didn't go to, I didn't go to the, the, the local college, I ended up moving two hours from home. I then moved in with um, a lady called Shirley and uh, I shared a room with a lad called Jamie. Uh, and then there was four or five of us living in this house in Torquay, 16 years old. Uh, the gym was just down the road. So I'd go and, tra- I'd go and train the gym um, and I basically got enrolled onto this college course and within 
two months, not even two months, uh, I got the opportunity to then be able to go and trial for the um, like the, the YT, which is basically like, um, you know, between 18 and, is it 18? Yeah, oh no, sorry, between kind of 16 and 18, it's basically like your, your YTS, so it's basically, youth, it's basically kind of youth trainees kind of scholarship. Uh, so you basically play underneath, it's a professional, co it's, it's a contract, it's full time, you get paid, um, and it's basically like the, the nurturing ground to obviously step into the reserves and then obviously the first team. And I ended up uh, getting an opportunity to go and train. I then got the opportunity to go and play. And then three months in, um, they then offered me a contract. I then moved out of the house that I was living in, which actually was something I really enjoyed because I made some great friends and I felt incredibly safe. And then I basically moved into like a house right next to the stadium and moved in with this uh, incredible family called Nina and Rob. They had a couple of kids. Uh, and also there was seven or eight of us uh, then would live there. So I was then sharing a room with a lad called TJ and basically you walked up the stairs, square, like kind of kind of square landing and there was three bedrooms on the left with single beds in, three bedrooms on the right with obviously single beds in and then they were all just full of basically players. So I then basically got enrolled into this, like becoming a full-time kind of like footballer. Uh, you would get up, you would kind of eat with everybody. You would go to you would go to kind of training uh, as a YT. You basically had jobs like clean the boots, clean the stands. At some point, the manager had us like cleaning his car, cleaning offices. We'd be cleaning the balls. We would be doing absolute. We would do like we would basically just well like part part time footballers, part time cleaners. But again, like taught me an incredibly valuable lesson. And again, that was so influential. And so uh, and then basically spent two years there. Um, playing football, spending all my time pretty much out with that at the gym. And it was a weird thing because I go to training, I come home, I then by that time I passed my driving test, I would then get in the car, I'd then drive to the gym, and then I'd go and train at the gym for two hours. I'd then come home, and that was it. And initially everyone was like, you're a weirdo, what are you doing? Everybody else would be playing PlayStation or doing whatever. And then all of a sudden it then just started to build and grow, and then it was like, yeah, I'm gonna come to the gym with you. So then before I knew it, it was like, I was then taking four of the lads to the gym. They'd all signed up with a membership. We'd all be training chest, arms and back because that's all that we basically did. Um, obviously the most important muscles. Um, and yeah, it then became like this thing. Uh, and it was almost like this, this is what I'm doing. And then people started to follow. But I always, in the back of my head, thought, I wish that I couldn't, didn't have to go to training today and I could just go to the gym and that was all that I had to do. And it was this weird like falling out of love of football that I then started to have because I then stepped into this kind of like professional environment. I created all this kind of expectation on myself of what I needed to do, how I needed to perform, uh, you know, all these stories that I was telling myself. And obviously this was so important to me that this kind of fun and passion then almost got traded for like this stress and pressure. And I then basically went from wanting to play football every single minute of every single day to actually starting to resent football and being like, what am I even doing this for? I actually don't want to be here. I'm not even enjoying this anymore. You know, I would basically just look forward to going to the gym and going home on weekends. And that was, you know, kind of, that was kind of me. And I, I didn't really perform to the level that I could have done, should have done. And I do feel like I, I, lack, I, I lost obviously potential there because of, the pressure that I put myself under and also the lack of knowledge that I had around a few kind of certain variables, especially with like training, nutrition and recovery and all of those good things. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like that two year period of my, of my life, had some incredible opportunities, um, met some amazing people, played against some amazing players and 
yeah, that for me was just such a, an, an incredible time. If I just look back, it's like living in a house with eight other lads. We had our food cooked for us. We, you know, all that stuff was, was absolutely brilliant. But I think all of those things taught me once again, like, how to, how to lead. I was the captain. So basically, I was the guy that basically was the intermediate between, obviously, the, the players and the manager. The manager and then the first team. You know, the, the power of basically roles, you're having roles and responsibilities, autonomy, uh, in terms of, right, okay, these are, your, these are your tasks, this is what you now need to go and do. You're in charge of the balls, you're in charge of the boots, you're in charge of cleaning the changing rooms, you know? Um, the, the power and the importance of communication, the power and importance of just work ethic. And I'll never remember, I'll, I'll never forget, sorry, there was a, uh, a pre-season and uh, they were making us do running. And like I was, like, apart from maybe one of the other lads in the first team, like the fittest like, player. And I remember we, we did something wrong. I can't remember what it was. It was probably like we didn't clean the bibs properly or something like that. So they basically made us run. Yeah, they literally just ran us. <laughs> but because they knew that I love running so much, <laughs> They got the whole team to run, but I wasn't allowed to run <laughs> because they were like, I still remember it. They're like, Joe will enjoy this. So you're actually going to sit out of this, of this, of this training session. And I remember they were running all these lads and I wasn't allowed to run because yeah, it was like, that's not a pun. That's not a punishment. That's not a punishment. So yeah, like I was definitely the work, the, the workhorse and the engine uh, and definitely kind of, it was more will than skill um, from a footballing perspective. That's for sure. Yeah. And do you think do you think that obviously it's kind of uh, you spoke a bit out there about falling out of love with football and in that kind of period and kind of getting distracted almost with the gym and going down that route? Do you think if you were in a different environment and things could have been different, or do you think that was the perfect environment for football mm. that could have nurtured your career? Um, I think you always look back and it's like right, you know, if I if I'd been at a professional club at that level probably would have been a completely different situation but here's, here's the reality is I wasn't good enough you know like I, I wasn't I wasn't good enough to be at that level so from from my side obviously it was the right environment you know and again I look back at it now and it wasn't actually about me becoming a footballer it was actually me me developing as a person that's what that really taught me move out you know move out of home at the age of 16 move into a house of random people you know, straight from school, I left all my friends, obviously back at, like, you know, back at home, they went off to college, they were doing all these things. So again, it comes back down to that, like feeling like outlier, never really fitting in, never really having like a real social, like close knit social group, because I was basically driving to Torquay or, you know, getting the train to Torquay um, every single week and was obviously living away from living away from home. So again, like I think that taught me a lot about yeah, life and, you know, how to behave and okay, like how to, how to do things. And again, like the, the discipline, the structure, this is what we need you to do, clean the change rooms. This is how you speak to people. This is how you communicate. This is how you treat people that work in the office. You know, like all these, all these things, um, I think was just an incredible like learning curve and experience obviously for me. So I do think it was the right environment, maybe not to become a professional footballer, but then also I probably wasn't good enough to make the, the cut. So actually from a, a life experience perspective, it's definitely shaped and molded a lot of the behaviours and a lot of the things that I now do now, 100%. And I wouldn't now go back and change it, although it does make me feel a little bit like sad that I didn't in allow myself permission to enjoy that experience as much as I could have done because I was putting so much pressure on myself um, and this huge expectation of myself because of, A, wanting to 
be a freshman footballer, B, wanting validation for other people to tell me how great I was, uh, and C, wanted to be able to make my parents proud because of everything that they'd sacrificed to get me to that point, and almost then not wanting to feel like they never put that on me, but like wanted to let them down because I saw what they had to do to get me you know, to that position, which is what they wanted to do. And there was no pressure. You just do whatever you want to do. You know, you follow your path. So I think they're probably the things I look back on now. Yeah. And and during that time, do you think there was a um, kind of point where you were kind of falling out of love with it and kind of enjoying different things about, you know, your training? Do you think that you, like, what kind of headspace were you in in terms of your future? And how do you think, see things shaping up? Did you still have that? full focus that you wanted to be a professional football and that was the only option or were you kind of you know exploring different avenues I'll be honest you, I didn't really know um, if I look back at it now it was like right okay well I knew that if I got released I'd basically be able to go to exit trials if you go to exit trials and there's the opportunity to then get picked up by another club or another team um, aside from that I really didn't know what I was going to do they were still in the back of my head well do I then become like a PE teacher again because it was still that thing which was I just love it. and it, all it was the two influences of the PE teacher was I was good at sports, yeah, and that was the only thing. And then my my PE teacher, uh, Steve, who I had massive, ad, you know, like respect and admiration for, and I thought, you know what, that's like a really good role model. Um, and so somebody that I almost wanted to model in that way. So they were the two only kind of like real reasons. Um, I didn't really know what else I was then going to then do, you know, aside from that. I ended up getting released um, from Torquay and then had this little bit of a kind of gap and ended up just going to work in Tesco's for a couple of months uh, back at home uh, during the off season whilst I tried to, tried to like figure out what I was going to do. There was exit trials coming up. Um, there was also, you basically uh, got supported heavily and incredibly as well, by the way, by the PFA, the Players Football Association. Uh, they basically gave you grants and they gave you a whole host of differing opportunities to now be able to support like life after football. Um, so that was obviously massively influential as well. And again, another kind of platform that I was incredibly grateful for because that created more doors, I suppose, in terms of what you could now step into. Um, but yeah, at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what my next step was going to be. And I was also injured because I had, <laughs> I look back at it now, I know exactly what happened. I trained Monday to Friday, played on a Saturday. I never trained legs. But of football, because obviously you'd be playing, we'd be out, let's say, nine o'clock to maybe three o'clock. Um, obviously not training for the full time, but your legs would be so fatigued that of an evening time when I go to the gym, I'd just do chest, back and arms. Oh, and abs, obviously. Uh, and I got to the point where uh, I, I, my, uh, my football manager used to say to me, he'd be like, Parrish, he'd be like, you've got the turning circle of a milk float because this right winger would literally be was it right winger? Yeah, uh, left winger would literally be turning me into a pretzel. Yeah, he would. This, this, I still remember it. We, were, we were training. We were, we were training a game against the first team, and there was this this uh, this left winger who was unbelievable. He actually ended up going and playing in the Premiership for a period of time, and I remember he literally just tore me a new one for about forty five minutes. It was horrendous, and yeah, he basically turned around to me and said, "Yeah, you've got the turning circle of a milk float." Because it took me about five minutes to turn around <laughs> because I was so like chest, shoulders, and arms. You know, I was all up top and skinny bot. So it was like, so what I believe happened, obviously I was so dense and I was so strong physically in my upper half, lower half, obviously I, I really wasn't. So I believe uh, that that obviously created obviously this huge kind of like imbalance 
which then obviously was hugely impacting obviously my um, stability and strength through my hip and my pelvis, which then led to basically me having this really like, prolonged groin issue. I had MRI scans, I had uh, injections, um, I had specialists, and they couldn't work out what it was. And basically, I could play on a Saturday, I then wouldn't be able to move for four or five days, I then feel better and then I'd be able to play on a Saturday again. And so like, even for me, I was just so limited, obviously, during that period of time as well. So like, that was also frustrating about the football side. I was like, can I actually even pursue and prolong a career within that? Um, all I wanted to do, mate, was just train, lift weights and drink protein shakes. That was, that, that was it. I wasn't sure what the next step was going to be. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And yeah, I was kind of wanting to go on to kind of lead us up to where we're at now and go back from, from where you were at, at Torquay and then moving through university and then into your kind of coaching business and then into the high performance coach kind of direction. But we're about 45 minutes in now, so I think we'll wrap it up and uh, we'll maybe have to do a part two um, to where you go next from from Torquay. Yeah, mate. I massively appreciate you putting the questions together. Also weirdly feel apprehensive slash excited about doing this because, again, I suppose it's not until you start to speak it out loud that you just start to understand, right, okay, what are the paths that you took? Why did you take those paths? Why did you take that path? Who are your influences? Um, why did I make that decision on that decision? You know? And so I do think it's so incredibly like interesting um, in terms of like this journey and the path that you now walk down and then starting to connect the pieces of the puzzle together to go, right, okay, this is now why I behaved the way in which I now did. Um, and like these are the influential kind of foundations that have allowed me to kind of like do these things without necessarily kind of appreciating or or knowing so uh, yeah mate I'm, I'm excited for the next episode yeah no and, and even yeah kind of thinking about why you are why the way you are today I still don't think I'm any clearer in terms of why you were the way you were right from the early days in terms of your upbringing because you, you, I mean you've obviously had an amazing kind of role models and kind of discipline in the family home and things like that that have taught you lessons but a lot of families may have that this child still will maybe show signs of rebellious behaviours or or maybe just, you know, they'd get to school and they'd throw the carrot and the apple out and they'd go to the vendage. But <laughs> there's, there's, <coughs> there's something that I'm still kind of wondering why you were the way that you were. What, well, was the weird kid that was just gnawing on a carrot whilst yeah. everybody else was eating? Yeah. <laughs> was, was, was going to the tuck shop yeah. and, smashing Mar and smashing Mars bars. You sound like the, almost the the perfect child that your parents wanted you to mould into but you know when I think of kids like I think of like rebellious states and going through phases and kind of different you know explorative phases but for you it was very much you were almost on that same sort of regimented path right from the early days. I don't know whether it's I had so much respect for my parents in terms of what they did and what I saw that they were doing and I just now wanted to be able to like of course don't get me wrong I was a little dick at points, but you know, there was periods of times where, you know, like, I, I, you know, I would, I would come home after kind of, cur you know, after curfew. Um, Just because you wanted to do a few extra laps. <laughs> Here's a funny story. Like, I used to go and play football um, down at the wreck, it was called, which is in the local, which is in the village. And we'd be playing Wembley singles or Wembley doubles. And like all my mates would be like, yeah, they're just cracking on. They're just playing or doing whatever. I'd literally have to be home for tea at six o'clock. Now, bearing in mind, like this was a mile and a half. Yeah, I know about a mile from my house. I'd play Wembley singles or Wembley doubles literally until like 5.58. Yeah. And then I'd be like, how late 
like how late can I leave this? And Leanne says this all the time, like she last is like when we do certain things, it's like I will literally leave it to like the smallest time frame possible to then be able to go and do the thing. And it was like, I'd be like, right, how late can I leave this? How fast can I now run? Actually, do you know what? If I left at 5.58, I could probably get another minute in of like playing footy. So I'd be like, how far can I now push this? And I kid you not, I'd literally be like, right, 5.58, and I'd absolutely leg it home. And it'd be like 6.04, and I'd be out of breath. Like, <laughs> and we, you know, family, family dinner was a tea with everybody every single evening was a really, really important thing. It's like, ask people how their day's been and what they've been up to and what did you learn at school and all those things and again like didn't realize that actually how much I, I value like I now value that stuff um, but at the time it was like I go around to my friend's house and they would be eating dinner in their bedroom or on you know in the, in the living room or they would eat separately and I'd be like is my is my family really weird? Do you know what I mean? Is my family yeah. really weird that we do this because you don't know really anything else um, so yeah there's like certain things like that I'm like there's traits and characteristics there that, yeah, that really do start to then kind of, I suppose, like carry on with you. But I think it was, I didn't want to let them down. You know, I didn't want to let my parents down. I wanted to make them proud. Um, I wanted to um, be liked. And yeah, I had such incredible support and I just wanted, I don't, I don't know then why, what's the, you know, what's the drive and the behavior like behind, you know, that was really kind of behind that. But yeah, I just wanted to like, yeah, do, do the, obviously the best by them, but I think that was really instilled and installed by them more so more so than anything else. And like I said, like they are literally incredible people and uh, made incredible sacrifices and have given us so many incredible opportunities uh, to be able to now go and explore and never really ever said, this is what you need to go and do. It's like, well, let's just go and try a whole host of different things and let's just try and give you as, as, many, as many experiences as possible and then you find out what you want to do. And as long as you now give it your best, you try your best effort, then that's what you can ask for. Yeah, I stepped out of line quite a few times, but then again, my stepdad disciplinarian was like, again, in a, um, important to note, a positive reinforcement way was then kind of showed me then the straight and narrow. Um, and I, 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 I had huge respect obviously for him. And so, yeah, and I saw what he had to do for me and what he did for me. So like, again, the Wednesday games, like turning, like that stuff, he sh that level then showed me, right, okay, do you know what? If he's putting that effort, then, and the same with my mum as well, the same with other, you know, other family, like, right, okay, I now want to make sure that I can then kind of contribute and try to not live up to that, but I suppose in a degree do so. But yeah, like make sure that I can try and give it my best. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. Well, mate, thank you so much for uh, sharing that and being open and honest with it. Um, and yeah, mate, it's just left me kind of looking forward to where you went from Torquay to, to kind of now. Yeah, you know, I know I'm a weird, <laughs> why, why, weird yeah. carrot, carrot muncher. Yeah, a lot of things are beginning to add up. <laughs> thank you, buddy, I appreciate you. Thank you.